with those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verdi, it's time for another edition of Serie A Sit-Down. This is World Football Index podcast designed by fans for fans of Calcio at the highest level. As you can tell, I'm not Frank Carvello. With the holiday season here, Frank is busy with his family, so I'm the only one, I'm the only regular on today. Uh, so I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for listening. Both Frank and I hope everyone enjoyed their Christmas and hope everyone celebrated late last, late last night, bringing in the 2018, or I guess it was two days ago, wasn't it? I'm still in party mode, I guess. How many of you have made New Year's resolutions and how many have already broken them? I already broken mine, so. Um, with the Christmas and New Year's holidays come and gone, we take a look at the action for match week 19. I won't do this myself. Today in Frank's place, we have 30-year-old Roma Sufferer. He's a Swindon Town fan, and he's been watching Serie A since the mid-90s when it was massive in the UK. He's a Roma fan for his sins and tries to make it out to Rome for games, a few, few games, few times a season. Uh, he was actually present for Francesca Totti's last match. Serie A, I'm still, sit down, I'm still crying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. I'm still no crying. No Well, as you can tell, welcome to two sweet Scott Monroe. Benvenuto, um, Scott. Benvenuto, thank you for having me on. For those of you who missed Scott's top five moments of Serie A in 2017, you can read it at scottmonroeblog.com. That's the right uh, web address, right? Yeah, and uh, number one is a bit emotional for me because I was in attendance and you just briefly talked about it. Yeah. Um... Spoiler alert. <laughs> so tell us what's been going on with you these days, Scott. Um, not much. Um, sadly, back to work today after the Christmas and New Year holiday. Um, it was actually a nice breakaway just to get away from work for, for Christmas and for the New Year. Um, managed to watch um, Swindon on Boxing Day. Uh, lose five now to leaders Luton, but nine points out of twelve. <laughs> yeah, but nine points out, out of twelve isn't too bad. Um, sadly, I missed Roma's game on Saturday to go watch Swindon, so it wasn't it wasn't the end of the world missing Roma Sassuolo. But yeah, just um, bringing in New Year. Looking forward to trips to America for April and trips to uh, hopefully Rome at the end of the season. Right on. So, what do you? What else do you got going on as far as uh, writing and and other stuff like that? Um, I've just got back into writing over the last couple of weeks due to some like I, I suffer with anxiety, so I, th- I like most people in the world, it, it it tends to get you down. So I thought I might as well get back into the writing game and um, just been doing some pieces about reviews of like the last two um, match day weekends and uh, my top five moments of 20, uh, 2017. But hopefully. Um, I might get back into writing about Roma. I might have to contact some people who I was writing for last season and see if they still want me to write for them for this season, uh, for this not for this season, for this year. Oh, right on. Well, we we'll look forward to that, and we're going to retweet the uh, the link for your top five uh, for those of you who don't follow you. So, and if you don't Thank follow him, much. if you don't follow him, please follow him. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> and, and, li- and likewise for the serious sit down. <laughs> well, a lot of interesting and exciting developments happened on the pitch over the past week. And we're looking to for, you know, share our input on. Um, we have a lot to get into, so let's jump on into it. All right. Um, so the first match we're going to get into as we're talking to, to a Roma fan, we're going to talk about Roma Sassuolo. Um, Roma came into the match having played three games in a seven-day span where they won one nothing against Cagliari, but then they lost 2-1 to Torino in the Coppa Italia. Uh, and then they lost a big match, one nothing to Juventus at Juventus. Uh, still, Roma were in fourth place coming to the match week. Uh, on the other side, Sassuolo came in finally having found the footing to a tune of a three-game win streak 
with the likes of beating Crotone at Sampdoria and then winning uh, at the San Siro at Inter. Or home, I guess I guess to say home against uh, Inter. Um, not Milan. Not Milan, no. Not Milan. Not Milan. <laughs> not yet. Uh, not yet. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, well, Roma would get on their board first with a lovely play that involved Diego Parotti, Patrick Schick, and Ingeco before finding the pass to Lorenzo Pellegrini for the goal. His second goal of the season, which was scored in the 31st minute. Um, Edin Dzeko was involved a lot early on in the game. Um, it, a lot of people may do, and again, the season they were saying, you know, when, when they lost Salah, that he would have struggles trying to score goals. But it seems to, uh, under uh, Isabido Di Francesco, um, he found, he's, found, he's found a scoring touch still. He still has it. He's also playing playmaker and, and playing a good uh, uh, target man, I guess. Um, talk about what Edin Dzeko has brought this season that you did not expect with the loss of Salah. Mm, he's, he's been a bit hit and miss at the start of the season he was like banging him in and then I think uh, oh god when was his last he went through a massive barren spell um, through October and November where anything he tried to do was just not happening um, I think his best game of the season was against Chelsea He's, I would say his target man play is still up there with last season where he's bringing in players in, whereas Eva Parati, Al Shawari, um, Schick, Defrau, but I'm, I'm thinking he's missing that creative spark up front with someone like Salah, but hopefully Schick can replicate that. But in my eyes, I think maybe not. And maybe a system change could be in the in the horizon, and maybe start with Schick up top with Jacko with a couple of games out. Maybe that could do him some good. But sadly, this is not the Jacko of last season. He's he's been very hit and miss, and he's definitely missing something up top. The snap end there, you see where, where if if he's missing a chance, he's snatching at something. His shoulders drop, and I think the confidence has gone a little bit. I don't know if you agree with me, Rich, but it's something is missing. Yeah, and it's 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 odd because I mean, last season he looked so confident in his goals. I mean, he's getting he's getting the service in. You know, now Angelon was having a fantastic season. But Salah also was feeding him almost every goal was from Salah. It seemed like mm. um, so his confidence is there. Now he doesn't have his running mate. And yeah, Roma are playing much better this season in terms of overall. But mm. um, yeah, it just it seems like he. he he can't. He's not playing consistently. At least his scoring was. No, it's. It seems like um, he's gone back to when he first joined Roma, where right, right. He, he he was trying to overthink things, and like last season, he would just think instinctively, and um, it's like he's trying to overcomplicate himself, and it's not working. Maybe a time away will do him some good. Yeah, yeah, we got a break coming up soon. Um, sometimes, yeah. with, sometimes with these strikers, you know, when they go on a little bit of a, a scoring slump, they they squeeze a little too tight. Um, they think about it way too much, and they're not acting naturally, and that's the problem. I mean, last like you said, last season he was acting naturally, is all instinct. Mm. Now he's thinking about it too much, you know. Yeah, if you think about, if you overcomplicate it, you think it too much. It's gonna, the brain is gonna be frazzled, and you're just gonna be nowhere. So Roma were enjoying the one nothing lead, uh, but just before halftime, Simone Miseroli uh, had a looping header attempt that just went over Alison Becker's head, uh, just above the crossbar. But you know it stayed out, and Roma would go into the half one nothing. 
Uh, what was your assessment of the first half performance against Sassuolo? Sassuolo's oh, been a hot team lately, so... Yeah, I, sadly I didn't get to watch the game. I've only watched the highlights. It seemed like it's been Roma through and through for the last four or five games. They seem to be lacking something creativity-wise in the midfield and up front. Um, a lot of wasteful play, um, a bit static at the back and relying on Allison quite a lot to save them like in the in the Juventus game and I would probably for the same for the second half as well um there's something needs to be done system wise it looks like the 4-3-3 with the two box-to-box wide midfielders is not working it's stunting Nainggolan who like Jekka was on fire last season and it's not working this season and the, the the highlight of what I, I saw was Daniele De Rossi kicking the ball out after about seven seconds from kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that reminds me of 1990s Premier League football and lower league football, which I've watched growing up. Right. Get the ball and just hoof it. <laughs> Wouldn't expect to see that in Serie A. No, no, man, man. Hey, when you're good at something, I guess you got to go with it. <laughs> with yeah, it's like, it's like a kicker in NFL. What are you doing? You're just punting it straight out of play. He's like, I don't want it. You take it. No, you take it. It's hot potato. Yeah, exactly. Um, second half, uh, it started with a bang for Roma. I mean, you had plenty of chances, you know, both from Rajana and Golan. Stephen Al-Sharawi had a nice chance. Um, Ed and Jekyll also had another opportunity. But it seemed like they were not being clinical and they're squandering some great opportunities. Um, there were, you never, with a team like, you know, Sassuolo has been hot lately, but a team like Roma needs to, you know, kill these other teams off. You know, when you keep a team in a game for too long, uh, they tend to, uh, find a way to get back in. And yeah, I mean, what do you make of the, of them being snake bitten? And, you know, they had quality opportunities. These are at least three or four opportunities where they had the chance to get a, extend the lead and they just couldn't do it. No, it's been Roma for the last month or so and they've been very, wasteful and like the, yeah sorry <laughs> very wasteful in front of goal and like um they haven't been very clinical uh, they just they've uh, i think against spal they had 30 odd shots and goal i think um someone tweeted i think it was as roma data um tweeted out they had over 105 shots in like five games and scored six or seven goals they're just not hitting the target easily enough and it's you always get that lingering feeling at the back of your mind that one team will just have one effort on target and it'll bite you on the backside and Saturday it happens. Well, it's a good transition because in the 78th minute, Romo were made to pay for their poor finishing as Federico Peluso crossed in a fabulous pass and that man against Simone Miseroli pounced with the header past Allison and squared it all up. That was Miseroli's first goal of the season and what a time to get it. So like we were just saying, uh, you, you squander these opportunities and the other team will find a way to get back in. And Sassuolo, who's been, like I said, they've been hot and they finally found a way to get in. And, and for, good for them because, they, like I said, they've been on, this, they have been on a very excellent form. Um, what would you make of that play? Because Peluso, I think that, that pass from Peluso was what made the whole play. It was such a beautiful cross. Yeah, and I think we're probably talking about another cross later on. It reminded me of a, a certain cross in the Fiorentina-Milan game, uh, which led up to the Fiorentina goal. Yeah, it was perfect. I thought it was a bit bad marking from Roma, leaving Matri and Miseroli sort of away from each other. Like Juan Jesus tried to get in between both of them and got a little stuck, and it just left um, Alisson 
a little bit flat-footed, but those those are the type of the balls in that you want your attackers and your box-to-box midfielders to run into and create opportunities to score. Well, the game would end 1-1, and Roma squander a chance to catch Internazionale uh, in third place. But on the flip side, Sassuolo continue to march up the table to 14th. Now they're just four points out of the 10th spot. Uh, when it, that team looked like they were out and done, getting ready, maybe possibly relegated, uh, they change they change managers, and then look at them. They go rise back up the table. Um, what do you make of it? Was do you think the early season struggles for Sassuolo was more to do with the manager or just the team wasn't doing right? Because I mean, they had they have a pretty formidable front three. So um, I know Miserly started in this game, played in this game. But uh, what do you make of the early season struggles, and now with the resurgence this sec- this almost second half of the season now? I think um, well, they lost, they lost Di Francesco, who went to Roma. He's been like the backbone of Sassuolo for a couple of years. They've they've always been punching above their weight. I think it, it looked like if they just struggled to adapt to their new coach's ideas and maybe a, a, a change was needed. And Iachini's done brilliantly in his methods. Maybe uh, the loss of Domenico Berardi, who's he was supposed to go in the summer to Fiorentina or Roma for a ridiculous amount of money. Maybe that hindered them and maybe it's like a bad bad egg in the dressing room I, right. I know he I know he hasn't started in the last couple of games I know I've, I think Adam Digby and Chloe were at um, was it the uh, Fiorentina Sassuolo game not so long ago and um, I see Adam was like tweeting out saying like Berardi's heads dropped and I think they didn't they I think they lost that like 3-0 maybe and um, it seems that he wants way but Politano who I, I've rated for a couple of years I know Roma are looking to bring him back right and he's he was brilliant. He's very direct. He's left footed inverted winger who likes to cut in and create problems. And he's been the highlight for them in the last couple of weeks. I think Matri is his late goal against Sampdoria was what they needed. And hopefully they can like build on that and maybe push up the table a bit more. I think avoiding relegation is a must. They don't want to be dragged back down in start because I think there is worse teams than them in Serie A. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Especially Benevento, who've only got four points from <laughs> the first 19 games. I think their main objective is just to avoid relegation. And hopefully with Iachini in charge, they, they will do that. Yeah, all the hard work that Di Francesco did to keep them up and, and bring them to exactly. Serie A, it'd, it'd be, you'd hate to see him go back down. But it yeah. looks right now, Iachini, I mean... I was I was hoping Christian Buki would bring something to the team, and he just struggled to connect with the guys. And Iakini, to our surprise, is doing quite well with them. Mm. Um, so if they make it in the top ten somehow at the end of the season, that would be one of the one of the one of the storylines the season. No oh doubt. yeah, it'd be. It's, 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 I think it's the same. What we might talk about is is with Udinese as well. They had uh, Dalneri in charge now. They've got Massimo Ardo, who's working miracles. So next up for Sassuolo is Genoa. So they can, with that matchup, Ooh. it's a fair fair enough matchup where they can possibly keep moving up the table. Yeah, um, uh, I imagine that will be in, in Sassuolo, or not Sassuolo, but at home. And they could probably push for three points and end before the winter break because the winter break is quite late in the season now. It's, yeah, um, yeah. It's, this, it, the last game's like this weekend and now they've got a, a one-week break, which I think is a very good idea. I agree. And I, th- I think other leagues should do it because over here in the UK, especially in the leagues that I watch, there's four, it's three, four games in, in like nine days and that's a killer on the legs, and especially in the Premier League where Tottenham have got a game 
tonight and they're playing Thursday and they're playing, I think, over the weekend in the FA Cup. And it's, that's just burnout. Well, now we look at the flip side. Your team, Roma, they have a daunting <sighs> January schedule. Next four against Atalanta, Inter at Sampdoria, and then home against Sampdoria. One of those yeah. games is recovering from the earlier game the season missed. Um, you know, that's that's a daunting task for anybody. Um, yeah, it's, it's a heavy task. And Sampdoria looked like maybe with the win this weekend uh, that they maybe came out of their shell because they were after they beat Juventus they were they were in a bad bit of form. But now they won the two nothing. Maybe they're back. We'll see how next week you know sh- shapes out. But um, yeah, it's a it's a daunting task. What are you what are you realistically looking points wise out of these next four games? Well, I think as a Roma fan, and you have to win the majority of your home games. So six. Maybe seven points. Um, Inter's going to be tough. Well, actually, Inter are in the same sort of form of Roma. I would take seven or eight points, but realistically, it could be six. I would take the two home wins. Uh, but eight, seven or eight, maybe. I could see Roma dropping one defeat. It might be at Inter, but realistically, it could be against Atalanta on Saturday. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, Atalanta has been playing better of late. Um, Inter, they, they were started out really well this season, but they've been on a dip right now, as you said. Uh, Sampdoria, they were also on a dip, but we'll see, uh, if they're coming out of their shell or not. Um, so it's, it's interesting because you guys are also in a little bit, it's mm. not, you're not playing the best as of right now. You, you started out the season quite hot. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. Each one of those battles is going to be, uh, tough to call. They're all going to be matchups of the weeks, really, you know. Oh, yeah. And plus, Antalanta, uh, one away. At- um, Napoli tonight in the Coppa Italia 2-1 they did an absolute job on them Napoli just could, they, they just struggled to break them down and if anyone gets a chance just watch Papu Gomez's goal tonight it's absolutely brilliant yeah I mean Atalanta they're taking these cup games really seriously they're yeah. Europa League they won their group right out um, they're going to be dangerous in Europa League Coppa Italia it looks like they're a reckon if you beat Napoli you're, gonna, you're obviously going to be a reckon to beat mm. they're looking they're looking to go deep in one of the competitions on one of the cup competitions while maintaining a good league run yeah and that league run they started out slow but now they're marching up the table and they're in the top 10 now so uh mm. look out for them so you know i want to ask you how do you assess your team currently after the first half season first half of the season is pretty much done um, how do you assess your team is this in like an a to f like yeah, grading yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's um well, well as roma lost the majority i wouldn't say majority they lost a good spine of their team like Chesney went to Juventus and is doing well Rudiger and Salah are lighting up the Premier League I didn't expect Salah to light up but he's just been different class I would probably say either a a B plus or an A minus they just need to work on being more clinical in front of goal and try to uh, strengthen the squad in the right areas in January maybe a a right-sided attacking player hopefully Politano or maybe I don't know if they will go in for Mares and maybe a defensive midfielder because I don't think Gonolans has worked out and De Rossi's starting to look not at his best or not starting he hasn't been at his best for a while I know it's hard so, for him to say that <laughs> yeah yeah I do it's, it's like the last couple of years watching Totti but De Rossi I was at the Napoli game and De Rossi cost I wouldn't say cost us but his bad error in judgment in that game, especially in the Genoa game, just a couple of weeks ago, has cost Roma points, and he looks like he's on the wane. 
a better defensive holding midfielder would be in the question. I, I know Roma have been linked with Milan Badalge from Fiorentina, and that would be definitely be an upgrade because he's been playing really well for Fiorentina recently. And hopefully, if that comes to fruition, that would be a good acquisition for Roma. But I would say probably a, a, an A minus or a B plus. That's a fair fair assessment too, because you guys did lose a lot. Um, but you know. I'd even go to say it's even even an A minus. I mean, before Ooh. this dip of form, um, I would say they're right up there because they shocked everyone by beating, winning their group in, in Champions yes. League. You know, winning, you know, beating Chelsea and drawing Chelsea at home, at their home. Um, and they've they've got a spine. That's what Frank and I've been talking about. Like Roma have a spine now, which they didn't have under under uh, Spalletti. It seems like they can win ugly and they can win those close mm. games. Um, and when they get the lead, they almost never give it up. Now it seems like. And tactically wise, you wouldn't think it under Spalletti or under Di Francesco, he'd be an upgrade from Spalletti. But it seems like in these big games, he almost is. It just seems like uh, Roma in every game, and as of late, until of late, you know, even the Juventus game, they were in it. So um, yeah, it's just that that miss at the end, which is a little bit costly, and I hope it doesn't go to Schick's head because. That could like I know he's young in his career and it could sort of dent his confidence. But yeah, I agree with you guys. There's more like stability, especially in the back. Allison's probably been one of the best goalkeepers oh, in yeah. Europe this season. He was in our squad for Finora. Yeah, top yeah, and uh, it was in my choice. Like I tweeted out my best eleven of the season so yeah, far. Yeah, 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 and he's been absolutely magnificent. So, you know, you were just saying about Patrick Schick, you know, he could be an option in the right wing. If What's, what's going on with his progress? Because, you know, last season he was one of the best players in Serie A, it seems like, at least with youngsters. And then we thought going to Roma he would, you know, hit flourish and whatnot. But he just can't seem to get in that starting eleven. Yes, he did play this past weekend, but um, is it because it's an injury or is his inability to adapt to Di Francesco's system? What's going on with there? I think it's the latter. I, he's not a right winger. Um, he's more like a a languid number 10 who could become the second striker. He reminds me a lot of Dennis Bergkamp where you need to build a system around him. So, <coughs> excuse me, it looks like he hasn't like adapted to Di Francesco's 4-3-3 system. I think maybe a, a 4-2-3-1 would be more so- suited to him with him just off Dzeko and maybe Nangalan or Strootman as the two holders in the four-two-three-one, and it would like suit him more because he could come into the game, he could come deep and get the ball, and then run at the defenders like he did with Sampdoria last season. But he just he just looks lost out on the right wing. And it's funny you mentioned Dennis Burkamp because he did have that Dennis Burkamp like goal last yeah. season where he flipped against Crotone. Yeah, against Crotone. Yeah, it was a beautiful yeah. goal. Yeah, that was one of my favorite goals of the season last season. Oh, as was mine. He and he Patrick <laughs> was one of my favorite players of the season last year. Yeah. It just, uh, um, I think yeah. if when he gets that first Serie A goal, when he gets sort of a, a run in the team, we could see the real Patrick Schick because he didn't really have a preseason due to the um, the heart condition or problems he had while signing for Juventus, and that sort of fell through. And then Roma swooped in, so just hopefully, just get him a get more game time, and hopefully we could see the real Patrick Schick. So what do you what, what is your prediction for the second half of the season with Roma as far as because they're still in Champions League they don't have to worry about Coppa Italia but they're still no. in in, uh, in uh, Serie A of course in the title race as for now um, so what what are your predictions for the second half or what do you hope to see um, hopefully top four if they can maintain if they can get out the the slump that they are in at the moment and just maintain good home form and pick up the the wins that you expect them to get on the road. 
and hopefully nab a couple of like the big game wins hopefully top four maybe top three um I could probably see quarterfinals of the Champions League if they don't capitulate against Shakhtar because what we've seen with Shakhtar they've yeah. got an ec- excellent coach and at excellent home they're really good yeah I know they're not playing in, in Donetsk uh, are they playing in is it Lviv no, at the moment it's at Lviv yeah I think yeah Lviv at the moment and they've got uh, what they did to Manchester City and Napoli I really didn't expect them to qualify out in their Champions League group I thought they would finish the third I thought with Napoli in the early season form that they had in the Champions League they would like um, finish second behind Manchester City Manchester City are streets ahead of anyone in Europe this season but Shakhtar if they, they beat Roma six seven years ago in the Champions League right um, right De Rossi got sent off in Donetsk for stupidity and John Arnorisa gave away a stupid goal in one of the legs and Roma got embarrassed if they can just get something in, in the away leg and then work with something at home maybe we could see Roma advance into the quarterfinals I'll, I'll be happy with a quarterfinal place yeah, it would be uh, it would be disappointment after if they beat Chelsea and then win yeah. their group and then lose to Shakhtar. Um, Frank even Frank's gonna go for us to say is that he thinks semifinals. semifinals. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think quarterfinals myself. It depends on who they play because, like you said, Manchester City are really good this year. PSG are really good, and as is Barcelona. And you always have Real mm. Madrid with back to back winners, so you never know who you're gonna face. If you can avoid most of the big dogs for as late as possible, then uh, it'll increase your chances. You never know. I mean. Maybe they'll take that uh that win against Chelsea and use it you know use it to their advantage and you know take care of Shakhtar right away and then whoever they face in the next round is hopefully they're they're tactically astute and they you know they can get by. Yeah, Fonseca's got them playing some good football. It all all bounced down to who Roma try and get in January and who they try and offload and see and see what happens. Well, let's with that let's go to uh, talk about the rest of what match week nineteen. All right, we had a bunch of games. We got to get to. Um, we just mentioned Napoli losing to Atalanta and Copitalia, but uh, before that, they face off against Crotone. Crotone, who's actually had a decent form as of late, um, they actually dominated Kievo the week before, which is you would never think Crotone dominate anybody, but yeah, they beat they beat Kievo. <laughs> But if you haven't heard, Marek Hamšík finally broke Diego Maradona's Napoli goal record. Well, Hamšík added to that with his 117th goal in the 17th minute as Napoli remained top of the table. Scots, what is your thought on Hamšík and his record-breaking, uh, I guess, mark? I guess. Yeah, it's, it's what one one seven now. I, I know it's been coming this season. It was a burden on him. You can see it in the earlier rounds of the games. Um, it was like he wasn't himself and he was getting substituted a lot. I think in the last couple of seasons, he, he hasn't finished a lot of games. Um, maybe that's due to fatigue and stuff like that. But ever since December, he's been fantastic. He, he's been one of the, the players of Serie A in the last 10, 11 years. Um, Napoli gone for a snip. What was it 5 million? For, was it Empoli? I think it was. And then he's just come on leaps and bounds and in the Euros two years ago and he said last year because I thought it was still in 2017 but um, yeah in 2016 he scored that wonderful goal in the group stage he's he's just it could be their totty it could be Napoli's totty he's that damn good Um, I know it it took him a bit longer to break Maradona's record but Maradona like Pele and um, Messi he's a freak 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And he's just an absolute fantastic player. And he's a leader for Napoli. And he's got all the right players beside him to help him out. Well, we had a question that I was going to ask for later in the question section, but I think I'm going to say it now. <laughs> it comes from Grant Jendo Jennings. That's Jendo with a hard J. <laughs> he asked first a jokingly question: Well, Ham- with the three goal, three goals in three games now, uh, will Hamsik win the Cup of Cunningieri? <laughs> um, sorry, Grant. Have a happy birthday for over the Christmas holidays, Grant. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed an Iron Brew as well as a, a sort of a fellow Scot. Um, no, <laughs> I think that could go to Acardi. Um, yeah, that's what we were predicting too. Yeah, and now that Bellotti got injured and he's not in the best of forms, I think Icardi's just unreal this season. Everything he touches, recent up until recently, is just like gold. Yeah, and the other guy you'd have to talk about is Immobile, obviously. And, yeah, Chiro, Chiro Immobile. He's for the last two seasons for Lazio, he's just been banging them in left, right, and centre. Now they've got like Felipe Anderson and Serge yeah. Milinkovic, Savage, and Luis Alberto behind him. Yeah, they could be a force in the, in the latter parts of the season. And Mobley, he, he does it well for Lazio, but he still struggles internationally. I don't think him and Pelotti can play well together. No, as much as all of us would like that to happen, yeah. uh, it's not going. It doesn't seem to work unless some manager can come in and, and prove us wrong. Yeah, it, it has to be one or, or it can't be both. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, Grant's real question is: with Hamsik back in form, uh, does Napoli's title chances dip back in their favor or not? Oh yes, definitely. They've got their talisman back, and plus they've got the guys up top, the fantastic four, as I like to call them. Um, like you've got Mertens, you've got Insigne. Insigne coming back from injuries a massive, oh, massive. Yeah, yeah. they they missed him for a little bit because and, and how much how Zielinski is, he's not Mertens. Uh, sorry, he's not um, Insigne. But uh, they just got to come back from. Um, Getting Milik back. Um, I know they're up there. They've got Roberto Inglesi to come from Kievo. Um, they're looking at Daniele Verdi. I saw today, who's who's at, um, on at Hellas Verona and probably played one of the wing roles. They're missing Fuzi Gulam. Um, I watched the game today, and Mario Rui is not even half the player is. But yeah, Hamzik back to form. Napoli's title ch- chances have risen massively yeah, and you didn't, you wouldn't think that they'd, they'd miss a guy like uh, Fazi Gulam but uh, it shows that when he's out oh, yeah. they're not the same team you know especially on the left side oh yeah because him and Insigne and Mertens because Mertens also drifts out wide in the, the system that they play because he's sort of he's, he's a winger becoming a, a striker like a false nine he likes to drop deep and like the wingers to push on especially when they play the diagonal to Callahan, who just runs past his full back but yeah, him, Insigne, Mertens have got this like telepathic understanding down that left, and they all like work well together. With Mario Rui there, it just seems like it's not working. Yeah, and you know it's funny with Hamsik. You know, I thought that this goal was kind of not only you know deterring him and making him think too much and affecting his play, but it was affecting Napoli as well. And then couple that with Insigne being out, like you said, um, it definitely took a toll on them. But I think when he when he got when he got that tie in goal, you can see all the relief finally came because he was thinking about it way too much. And yeah. in the last three games, he's been three four games, he's been back to his normal self. Uh, I agree with you. He's he's an icon of the club, no doubt. You know, he talked about how he turned down offers when he was younger uh, to go yes, elsewhere. Yes, Juventus. It was at AC Milan, maybe somewhere to abroad, maybe in the Premiership. But yeah, he just wants to play for Napoli because they gave him a chance, his chance. Yeah, 
And that's, that's, that's amazing to hear. It's a great story with him. Um, um, I can't say more about Mark Hamsik. He's such a, such a fantastic player and you're glad to see he finally broke the record. Now he's going back to his normal self. It almost seemed like he would never score. You know, I was afraid. I jokingly said in a couple of pods, will he score again this season? You know, <laughs> I'm glad he scored three times since then. So yeah. good for him and good for Napoli. They're getting back into it because we, a lot of, a lot of us want Juve to lose this year. They don't want him to keep going and winning. Um, so Napoli has the best chance of doing that right now, it seems like. Yeah, and it could go down to the wire because um, we don't want another predictable. I know Juve have just like have been a machine the last six years. <clears throat> it's been like two or three of uh, those seasons. They were just so dominant. Last season they had a bit of – it went down to the wire, one game to go. Just hopefully this season is a bit more of a challenge and it's starting to show. Yeah, and and the season is starting like a couple seasons ago where Juventus started out slow, everyone was writing them off, and then now they're back in storm, and they're obviously one of the two top two right now. So uh, it's the same old Juve. It seems like a stout defense, and uh, they're doing what they have to offensively. Oh yeah. Well, uh, let's go on to the next game. Uh, it's a game closer to my heart. Fiorentina ah. won, Milan won. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, hey, that's fair, fair, fair laugh there. <laughs> I try not to laugh and cry at the same time. Um, so it was a feisty affair that saw Gigi Donnarumma single-handedly keep his Milan in the match with save after save, including beauties on Giovanni Simeone, Gil Diaz, and Milan Badel. Uh, that's one of the players you were hoping to get for Roma. Um, Donnarumma had five saves in this game total. It's kind of fitting as this was his, it marked his 100th game for the Rossoneri. Um, not to be outdone though, Marco Sportiello had three fantastic saves of his own. Um, it seemed like the most dangerous man on the pitch was, uh, Cholito, uh, Giovanni Simeone, and he finally got his breakthrough in the 71st minute of a great cross by Cristiano Biraghi. Um, for Simeone, that was a scored, it was a sixth goal of the season. Uh, he's he's fit in nicely with Fiorentino. You know, when he left Genoa, people weren't sure exactly how he was going to fit. Yes, he's, a, he's an immense talent. Um, his dad taught him well, but uh, it, we weren't sure exactly how he'd fit. But then with, with Kalinic leaving, it kind of freed him up, and they gave him that definitive role up top, and he's taking it, and he's running with it. Couldn't agree anymore, and especially when you've got Federico Chiesa, and I think he's oh, an absolute... Yeah diamond of a young player such a talented player and you've got the old head of uh, Cyril Tarot as well <coughs> excuse me either side of him it, it works wonders um, Simeone I, I loved watching him last season he's like his dad it's all heart all passion and when he scores he just lets the emotion out absolute brilliant cross brilliant head um, and Donnarumma had no chance but Donnarumma was he trying to eclipse his brother for midweek? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I mean, his brother looked like better than him. I mean, it was, oh, it was his an bro- amazing his, performance. His brother played brilliantly during the week, and like Donnarumma Jr. tried like not far behind. To be honest, because um, this was the lunchtime kickoff, and um, over here they show the games at Lemford. It took ages for the game to get to going. I. I yeah. nearly thought of like turning it off and watching something else, but um, last twenty minutes, I think it was a good point for for Milan after the troubles they've had, and it, it was good to see Chanaloglu trying to finally do something for the club. I found what's interesting in this game I didn't realize is how many Frenchmen uh, La Viola have. I mean, they got Veratout, they got Toro, uh, they got so many guys. They have actually the most French players out of any team in Serie A. Ah. 
I did not know that. Yeah, so they're they're kind of like uh, the Newcastle or the Arsenal of uh, yeah. In terms of French players, not 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 in form or anything. No, because um, I remember Newcastle a couple of years ago were trying to buy every hidden gem at Liga. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, impressed with uh, like I know Milan has spent shed loads of money, and Fiorentina have had to like as Harry Redknapp used to say, like get out in the bargain basement, wheeling and dealing. And they've brought in some very good players like Veratu, who struggled at Aston Villa, went on loan last season and come back. It's done brilliantly for Fiorentina. Cyril Thoreau is, is a very good foil for both Chiesa and Simeone. Because Simeone, keeping out Babacar out of the team. Yeah, who, that's, that's how you do. Yeah, Babacar is a good player, but he had his chance in the Coppa Italia game last week, which they lost, and he didn't, very, he didn't look very good. Um, I, I, I like Milan Badal, you know, we were talking about him earlier. He's, he's, he's holding that midfield together with Veritu. Um Gil Diaz, he looks very excite, excited. He, he loves a nutmeg. I remember watching a couple of games <laughs> yeah. early in the season, he likes a nutmeg. Um, it it's, depends who, who if they can keep Chiesa, because Napoli reportedly offered £40 million for him. I think you might have to double that. It's so good. A little, he's a bit like his dad, but probably a little bit better. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, we talked about how much uh, the fans love him. He's, turned, he's starting to become like an icon to them. And oh yeah, much better than Bernadeschi, who everyone thought was going to be the next guy, but he had no—he didn't care one bit for Fiorentina. He just wanted the money and wanted to go elsewhere. And look where he's, he's at Juventus. Hardly, oh, I wouldn't say hardly getting a game. He's he's coming on and trying to do his bit. <coughs> Mate, he scored a, a, a couple of weeks ago in the Champions League, but. That move hasn't really worked well for him. Well, when when Giovanni Simeone scored, I thought for sure Milan they were uh, set up for failure once again. But you know they responded quickly. Actually, uh, Suzo, who was who's been the most consistent player for Milan, he had a shot. It was saved, and you know the rebound went to Hakan Chalhanolu. Um, <laughs> it's hard to pronounce. It's it hard is. to pronounce. It is. It's yeah. a tongue twister. Um, so you know that was the second goal of the season. I've been a lot of people have been writing this guy off. Chalhanolu and uh, saying you know he he needs to go you know I know some Turkish teams are looking at him I actually think he's one of the best players on the team outside of uh, Suzo but, but mm. I mean do you see the same thing as me like I, he's talented he just doesn't get the ch- opportunity like my the, what I say about him is it's kind of like with Klasian Hutelar when he was uh, with Milan and Real Madrid he never got his fair shake he's in there for a couple minutes and you're like okay you didn't do anything well you're not gonna do anything with ten minutes of gameplay you need to play oh, longer. No. He needs a run of uh, a run of games does so much to a player and gives him so much confidence. And he's probably the best, one of the best back checkers. I call him back checker. That's what we go in hockey. Um, <laughs> he comes back for the ball and steals it from the opponent so uh, well. He tackles beautifully. I mean, he's almost like a defender the way he steals the ball. He's um, very easy on the eye. I think uh, Bonaventura, like if he can play well next to Bonaventura on the left side of the of the attack um it could become a real integral part of uh, Milan for this season I think they need to drop Kalinic they need to drop Kessie because both of them are not pulling their way I don't know if you agree yeah Kessie's been better than Bilia for sure but uh, <laughs> yeah. Kalinic needs to go he needs to go in the junior transfer I'm saying yeah uh, I would I would I would pick either Catroni or Andre Silva in, in front of him and maybe you can uh, Fabio Barini, as much as he worked really hard for Milan, China Logley would be an, an ideal replacement for him. So you've got on the two two wide sides because if Gattuso keeps playing four three three, 
Um, you've you got Cecil on the right, who's just so dangerous. He's Iron Robin-esque. You know what he's yeah, going to do, exactly. but some but some defenders still don't know what when he's going to do it. He's going to cut him from the right and then try and cross it in or try and go for the shot, which catches the keeper out. And you can have Chanelago on the left, who works hard. And he's a free kick specialist. Some of the goals that I've seen him score in Germany have been fantastic. Fantastic, yeah. And he, and he just... And he just needs a run of games. No, I, no, I agree. I couldn't agree more. And it seems like Milan, the way they play with Cutrone or or um, Andre Silva or both, uh, they play so much different than when Kalinic is up there. They're different players, but they, they play better with those type players in there. Um, and we saw Cutrone score the game-winning goal in, in the Derby della Madonnina and Coppa Italia, um, which is going to be oodles for his confidence there. So maybe, hopefully Gattuso starts switching it up now and... It kind of helped that I think Kalinic had an injury, so that's why he missed the game. Oh, yeah, he had um, a nasty-looking... Like, oh, his ankle, yeah. Yeah, that looked horrible. It looks like he either rolled it or got absolutely crunched on it. Yeah, it was Skriniar, I believe, who did it. Um, uh, part, of, part of me wished that it was uh, out for the season injury, but it's not. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> not to it's wish not, any harm on the guy, but you know. It's not like the, uh, the Jason Punch and Kevin De Bruyne challenge from the weekend, which was quite could get arrested if you've done that on the streets uh, well i could talk all day about milan so but i don't want to so let's, move, let's move on um a surprise from the last weekend was actually atalanta against Cagliari. Uh, excuse me um diego lopez's men uh you know he seemed like he wasn't much of a manager but now he's come to Cagliari and he's kind of saved them um he you know his team got the early lead over uh, off of uh, leonardo pavoletti uh scoring the sixth minute off a corner kick which is his fifth goal of the season and it was actually third goal at Bergamo uh, in his career. Um, so, you know, Cagliari are up one nothing. It's a shock scoreline right there, and things would just get worse. Atalanta keeper Pierluigi Golini made a huge mistake in the 23rd minute, uh, which led to a turnover and another goal for Cagliari, this time by Simone Paduin, his first of the season. Um, what was going on with Atalanta? Give up two, girls, two goals within a, within a quarter hour or 25 minutes. Um, yeah, it just... It, it's, you would say, you think Atalanta would do in that kind of type of play, and it's, it's Cagliari coming out and with a shock and, and, and on task. Yeah, I think when I when I saw the scoreline and I uh, before the when I, uh, I forget my words out. Sorry, when I saw the scoreline, like when I was at the game, I was in shock because this could have been like one of the home bankers yeah, of the yeah. week. You would put Atalanta if you put a bet on. I don't know if. I think maybe quite a lot of our listeners like a, a little cheeky flutter here and there. <laughs> I used to. Maybe I think Gav might, La Liga Gav might might want a cheeky flutter here or then. But yeah, you would you would put Atalanta to win because they're so. I wouldn't say dominant, but they're a very very good side at home, and like Calorie just caught them on the hop. I, I was shocked about Simone Padawin score because he never scores. This is yeah. a man who's who's got more league titles than Francesco Totti. Ever he has, got? He has more league titles than he has goals. Yeah, he's got. Was it? Was it three league titles? Something and, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was poor. Poor defender for both goals, and I've, I've seen the highlights. Atlanta huffed and puffed, and you just could not break them down. And it was. It was one. It was probably the shock result of, of week of the weekend. As, as shocking as two nothing was, it was nearly three nothing when Diego Farias had a breakaway. Uh, but it was stopped by Golini, luckily for for uh, Atalanta. Uh, so they're, they're only going to halftime down two nothing. Um, Atalanta, though, they could not do anything against Cagliari. Cagliari looked like a like a competent team, looked like they were a top ten team, and uh, the way they kept shutting them down, it, it, Atalanta couldn't do anything until 
Papagoma scored in the fourth, uh, his fourth goal of the season, two minutes in the, in, in the stoppage time, the second half. Um, but it was too little, too late as Kaleri shocked Atalanta. Scott, uh, is this game more of missed opportunities for Atalanta or, um, just Kaleri dominance and caught him off the, off, off the flat foot? I think a bit of both. The two goals probably was a bit of a, sorry, the two early goals in, uh, in the game were pretty much a sucker punch and probably threw Atalanta off their game plan. And then it, it was just all, all from there. It, a little bit amazed it took 70, 70 plus minutes for them to get the, the first goal. Or sorry, the only goal for Atalanta. And as you said, it was a little bit too late. If it, it came a little bit earlier, you could have probably had a bit of a more of a game on it. It was definitely a bit of a shock result. Now, the shot heard around Serie A happened in the next game. Everyone outside of Verona was uh, ecstatic about this result. It was Benevento against Chievo. The week before, we scolded Chievo for getting dominated and losing to Crotone. Uh, how did they follow it up against Benevento? Well, they allowed 18 shots, uh, including this. Que la ripropone al centro. La palla passa! La palla passa per Coda! Che trova il gol del vantaggio! E il primo gol in questo campionato! Ma non c'è più tempo! Finisce qui, arriva la prima vittoria in Serie A per il Benevento che conquista i primi tre punti della propria storia. Goal by Massimo Coda, his first goal and Benevento lead led by Roberto De Gerbi, get their first three points of the season, winning one nothing. Um, <laughs> what a win for Benevento when it, when it seemed that they were waiting to get their second point when they played Milan the next time. Uh, they, go, <laughs> they go and get three points against Chievo, and putting up 18 shots, I mean, they, did, they, they didn't dominate, but they did pretty close. I mean, I mean, what a job that De Gerbi has his team going. He's got four, he's got four points way more than the last manager had, so... I mean, yeah. Benevento, they're, they're trying to make it interesting. They're, they're not going to be, they're going to be in the last place, but they're, they're, they're starting to get some results here and they're playing a lot better under Deserbi. To be honest, this season, they haven't been thrashed by anyone apart. Roma put four past them and sorry, Lazio put five past them, but they haven't really like disappointed. They've only lost by the odd one goal in, in the one. last five minutes, in the last five yeah. minutes, usually. Yeah, they lost. They lost to Spal the other week, which was pretty disappointing because they were one 0 up as well, and they nearly scored a cracking second goal from about forty yards out. But you could see the relief on on the players at the final whistle and on the coaching staff and in the fans that it meant so much to them just to get that win on the board and hopefully kick on. But I think it could be a little bit too much for them because they got to make up eleven points. Yeah, I know, it's gonna be hard. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Crotone did it last season, and that was just a miracle how they stayed up. But Benevento, this could be a little bit too far. But it was nice to see them to get their first win in the season, and it was four points. Let's hope they can get more than ten or fifteen. Yeah, I mean, last year we were joking out that Crotone would never get ten points, and then they went yeah. on a fantastic run at the end of the season. I mean. 10 points is going to be hard again for Benevento, so we'll see. Uh, hopefully, Crotone, hopefully they at least get that. Yeah, well, Crotone finished on 34 points. They they got yeah. 20 points in their last nine games. They were on a Juventus-like tear at the end of the season, yeah. which is, uh, they, I think they even beat Juventus, and, or they they drew him or something. It was something uh, they, crazy. They got beat. I know they drew in Milan. 
Everyone, everyone draws <laughs> Milan. Everyone draws Milan <laughs> or beats them. <laughs> e- either side, either either side, it doesn't matter. It's either into yeah, or Milan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Well, the only player who really played well for Kievo was Stefano Sor- Sorrentino, who was oh, forced dang. to make eight brilliant saves. Um, <laughs> it looks like Rolando Maran uh, may be looking for a job soon as Kievo's slide continue, uh, losing, getting dominated by Crotone and losing, losing to Benevento. He can't be much around for he can't be around for much longer, can he? Well they got Udinese on Friday night in the first game of week twenty. Uh a twenty? Twenty that's a Dutch side uh, twenty, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, um just of you bringing back Sorrentino's name just gave me a bit of nightmares from the other week where he just pulled off save after save after save against Roma. Um it's it's not looking good, but I know the coach that he is. He's very good steady in the ship and I don't see them getting relegated or, in a, or getting like dragged into that quagmire because, as I said earlier, I think there is worse teams in Kievo. Um, Friday's game is probably going to be a, a much bigger test. Yeah, we'll see what they're made of because the suddenly resurgent Udinese. Speaking of Udinese, uh, they played Bologna. Um, so the suddenly resurgent Udinese, who've been dubbed as the New World Order by me. Uh, <laughs> They got they got off on the wrong foot as Danilo scored an own goal off a of Simone Verdi shot in the 27th minute. Um, as hot as they've been, that's not the way you want to start a game. Is down one nothing, especially to a, an own goal. Um, but they persisted. You know that lead wouldn't last long. And 10 minutes later, uh, a cross by Ali Adnan found as diving Sylvan Vidmer, whose header tied the game. His second on the campaign on the campaign. Um, you know, Udinese weren't done. They've been they've been scoring a lot in this last so since they had Massimo Odo, um, and they were obviously feeling a little hungry as an order for Lasagna came in, Kevin Lasagna that is, and uh, he served up on the 48th minute, and the visitors would hold on to get all three points. That's seven goals for Lasagna now uh, in the season. He's having a little bit of a career himself, resurgence too with Udinese. It's not just uh, the rest of the team. He added a bit of cheese on top with that goal. I'll see myself out. That was a bad joke. No, um, he's he's pretty much one of the star players. I know they got Maxi Lopez as a backup striker. They've got a very very strong midfield. The two Czech guys in the centre midfield of um, is it Barak and Barak, Jakub, yes. and Jakub Yankto, who I think Watford fans were tweeting. Uh, Valon Barami today saying can, can we can we put a bid in for him No, uh, Barami replied no he's one of ours we need him for the rest <laughs> of the season and, and both of them have been turning eyes and you've got Rodrigo De Paul who plays uh, also in midfield and they're looking very very good and looking quite strong and Otto's got him playing the type of football he wanted Pescara to play last season but yeah. that didn't work and you could see Odo on the touchline when they got absolutely gubbed. I think it was by Lazio. You could see tears down his eyes. He's got a second chance and he's he's proven um, a lot of people wrong. Um, when they won in the Coppa Italia um, not so long ago, they scored eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah eight it, to three against Perugia. Yeah, against Perugia. Maxi Lopez scored four. Jeez. <laughs> I know. Um, I, I haven't seen this Udinese. They haven't been like... Um, on British TV. I'm looking forward to Friday's game against Kievo. I know it's a five o'clock kickoff. I'll be rushing home to to watch it. I'm really looking forward to see what they can uh, what they can do. I'm really looking forward to seeing the the Czech duo and uh, Kevin Lasagna because what he did with Carpi a couple of years ago. I remember him scoring in the San Siro, and he I think yeah. he scored in the San Siro not so long uh, the other week. 
He did. He did. Yeah. Against Inter. Oh. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's proven a good striker. Um, I think they they could be pushing for Europe. They could be the Sam. They're not the Sampdoria. They could be the Atalanta of last season. Yeah. Uh, in just, my hot takes of the, on the, in the mid-season review, I said I, th- I thought Udinese could push for the uh, Europa League spot ooh, also. What so, do you reckon the, la- the, the last one? Because I think the top five could be as, as sort of they are now with maybe a couple changes in between. That's soon yeah. is fifth, Roma is fourth. Maybe they could be pushing for Champions League spot. Do you think they could get the last one? The sixth place spot. It's, it's possible because it's so close, and these te- no, none of these teams in the middle that are in the Europa League spot are, are playing consistently, other than Lazio. Um, you know, Atalanta are only now getting hot. Sampdoria, they're possibly coming out of their slump, um, but it, it, Fiorentina's there. Milan, I don't think they're going to be in contention to that. No, um, you got you got Torino there as well, who were a bit unlucky at the weekend, but they've been a bit up and down as well. Yeah, helter skelter there. So. Um, they have a chance. Uh, it's it'll, if they have to keep playing the way they're playing now. I think is the only way. I mean, if oh, they, yeah. they dip any any dip in form really is not. They're going to be out of it. Uh, but because the teams are all good that are in the top ten, so you have to bring it every week. But you know, they're showing signs that uh, there's there's hope there. So we'll we'll see how that how that comes about. They also got to make sure they don't lose any of those big players in January because I, I think maybe a couple big clubs could be after the the two Czech boys. Yeah, and you have got Fofana people want. Oh, yeah, it's Fofana, who was one of my favourite players last season. He's very, um, he's the tall, languid, box-to-box midfielder. I would say he reminds me a bit of Paul Pogba when Pogba was at Juventus. Just not only because of the black and white jersey, right? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, and the, star, the style of play that he, he, he brings. Yeah, he's very. He, he's an excellent player. Yeah, he is. Rodrigo De Paul has a lot of potential too. He could oh, yeah. become really fantastic. Um, um, Valencia splashed out a lot of cash on him. I think it was 15 million a couple of years ago. Sadly, it didn't work out. And I was at Roma Udinese last season where Roma won 4 0. And um, I think he was probably one of the best Udinese players out there, along with Peñaranda, who's now in Spain. Because I know Peñaranda. I think he was at Granada. I know Watford, Granada, and Udinese have that trio, yeah, right, right, the right. Pozzo thing. I think I think he was he was one of their. But yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to see what Udinese brings to the second half of the season. Yeah, uh, hopefully they, they keep continuing to uh, entertain us and, and prove shocks week in week out. Speaking of one of the teams that they're trying to beat in for that Europa League spot, Sampdoria, they played against Spal. Sampdoria have been on a slide, like we said, uh, since their famous victory against Juventus back in November. Spal, though, they thought they had the first goal, but Emilio, Emilio Viviano um, played Superman off the line, literally, as the ball just barely was kept out of the net, according to goal line technology. Uh, when, if, when that play first happened, did you think it was a goal, or did you think it was a save? Scott? Sorry, I, I have my mute button on, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I was trying to be all... Professional. Um, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> um, sorry about that. Um, when I, I watched the highlights Sunday while writing my review of the weekend's action, I thought it was him when I first saw it, but it was an absolute brilliant save. And it, it, it kept Samp in the game because Spa were looking to score early and then probably hopefully sit back and then try to hit him on the counter attack. But sadly, that did not happen. 
Yeah, Flocati, who's been uh, who's been pretty pretty playing pretty well as of late. Um, he's been he was been hot in this game. So if Spal had scored that, that would have like you said, they would have set up shop and and try to close it out there. But that didn't happen. Um, you know, Samp did have the better of the opportunities in the first half, but the visitors had the best chances in the second half. And until two minutes of stoppage time, uh, when Viviani took down Gaston Ramirez in the box and a penalty was called, what did you think about that? Because I didn't think it was actually a penalty. I it thought looked, it was a little... It looked soft. Yeah, it was very soft. I mean, it looked like... Yes, it was coincidental contact, but the way Gaston Ramirez went down, I'm thinking, oh, that was a dive completely, but... They got the call and upstep old man Fabio Quagliarella to give him the, to give Sampdoria the lead, um, one nothing, and uh, you know, like I always say, why settle for one when twice is just as nice. Ancora Torreira, palla dentro per Quagliarella, 2-0, la chiude lui, dodicesimo gol in stagione. Campionato fantastico, quello di Quagliarella, e adesso la partita è finita. Old man Fabio Quagliarella gets his brace, uh, his 11th and 12th goals of the season, and Sampdoria would end their downward skid with a 2-0 victory. Um, you know, like I said, you guys have to play them here in the end of January. If they, you know, if they, you played them maybe like a month or two months ago, you would have been in for a fight. But right now, you're not so sure what, what Sampdoria has to offer I mean, I guess you could say that about you guys as well, uh, being Romo. But um, you know, if they if they do get back on task, what what's the difficulties about playing Sampdoria, both home and away? Uh, I think at home is probably the style of football they play. Um, it's very um, it's very based on the midfield diamond that they play. Um, it, everything seems to go through Lucas Torreira, who I think is probably one of the best young, talented midfielders in Serie A, maybe in Europe. Um, he's going to get a lot of people looking at him. Um, one big club, I think, Atletico Madrid were looking at him. Um, and you've got Dan- Dennis Pratt, Pratt, sorry, not Pratt, Pratt, and, and you've got the two guys up front in Quayarena and uh, Duvan Zapata. Zapata looks to cause problems for, the, for your defenders. He's your typical South American target man who looks to bully your defenders and looks to knock it down for the for Quagliarella and the oncoming midfielders. Um, I think away from home, they probably like to set up a bit more negatively, unlike they did against um, Napoli, where they like to play one up top, they play Quagliarella, and then to stifle the midfield. And then if the game is still a bit tight, they like to maybe bring on Zapata for one of the, um, the defensive-minded midfielders and look to replicate their, their home the tactics that they could play at home to play away from home and then stifle the home team. Um, they've been doing really, really well this season. And I know they've had a bit of a drop in form, but they've got such a talented squad and such a talented midfield. It looks like the sale of Fernandez, Bruno Fernandez, who went to uh, sport in Lisbon. He looks like he hasn't been missed, but I would, when playing him at the Marassia, just look to probably, combat the midfield because they're very interchangeable no i couldn't agree more um what do you make of qualiarella his uh at his, as his ripe old age um he's uh banging goals in like they're going out of style he it, he's just playing so well and it, it, it's something about Syria and italy that the, these older guys 
they can still put the goal in the net. Oh, that's good. They just turn into poachers, really. And then, you know, Borrello before this season, he was doing that. Um, Matri is kind of, kind of trying to do it now, but Qualiarella seems to be the standard. Uh, he's Mr. Consistency there, constantly getting goals. Yeah, I think it's the chances that the team create for him as well. Um, yeah, he's not doing it by himself, obviously. <laughs> oh, no, of course not. Especially when you're playing, uh, with guys of the potential of the midfield that they've got with Dennis Prey, who, who like to create chances. Linetti, Torreira, um, Gaston Ramirez, Ricky Alvarez. You, you the Polish kid too. Oh yeah, uh, David. Is it Kaunaki? Kaunaki, yeah, something like that. I, <coughs> I think um, some uh, one of the Sampdoria hierarchy called him the next Robert Lewandowski. <laughs> so, so that could be another scouting masterclass that they've pulled off. So you're gonna you're gonna create the chances for your strikers to. to to score, especially when you're playing with a, a massive target man with Zapata, who look, as I said earlier, looks to bully defenders, and he's done it consistently this season. Look what he did to Bonucci for against Juventus for Udinese last season, for what he did for Sampdoria this season. He absolutely he destroyed him, and then you get, you're going to get your chances. And Quaiero is a very smart striker. He's streetwise. He will score you goals. He's not going to be the top striker where he's going to get you 20 to 25. He will probably get you 10 to 15 goals. And those 15 goals a season is going to be very crucial for your team. Yeah, and he's already up to 12. So yeah. uh, he's well on his way. to. If he gets oh, yeah. 20 this year, would that be the shock of the season for you as far as goal scoring? Uh, yes, um, just because of the age he is. And yeah, um, maybe that. None of the the big three who scored a lot last season haven't scored as much as they have this season. That would be my main shock. But then seeing Quayarella, who uh, is not like well fancied as the big boy strikers, like you hear Guayens, like you hear Cardis, Dybala, Dzeko, etc., etc. Yeah, but seeing him score 15, 20 goals, it, it'd be a shock, but not a major shock. I wonder who is the oldest uh, player in Syria to have scored 20 goals in a season, if it's Ooh. been done. Oh, good question. Yeah, he's 35 now, I believe. So, you know, it, it, it'll be up there. I mean, Borriello came close several times with 15 several times, but. Would it be Luca Toni from a couple of years ago? Was he, what, 36, 37? Did he get 20? I know uh, when, he, when he came back with Hellas, or when are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, when he was at Hellas in his first yeah, he, season. Did he yeah, get 23? Is it twenty three? Yeah, we've joined top goal scorer with um, with Mario Cardi. Yeah, we have to look that up to see the age. It'll be interesting, you know, if uh, if that happens. But look at Tony; like he's another player where you set him up, and he's going to. He's just so smart; he knows how to oh, put yeah. the ball in the net. Especially, uh, so. he's that he's that target man who who is you're going to get knockdowns, and he's going to be try and be skillful in the box, and he, he's a, a bit of a poacher uh, poacher target man as well. Right. Welcome to the XFL. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, all right, so the next game we're going to get to is Torino-Genoa. Uh, not much to say about this match other than Torino dominated with 17 shots, but Genoa were saved by their star keeper, Mattia Perrin, who had five saves in the draw. Um, you know, really, there's not much, like I said, there's not much to say in this game. Torino... Did play well, but they just could not find that finisher finishing touch. Um, they came close several times. Mattia Perrin just stepped up, and he he's he's the one bright spot for Genoa for for years now. Um, 
He's one of the best goalkeepers in Serie A, no doubt. Uh, I think he's probably one of the most underrated goalkeepers in Serie um, He's been very unlucky with the two crucial knee injuries, which has is, is blighted his, like, the last couple of years. But he pulled off some fantastic saves. He kept Genoa in the game. Um, I think Genoa only had like three shots on goal, and one of them was the uh, Goran Pandev effort, which was quite close to um, to nicking a goal. But yeah, um, Torino just absolutely battered them and should have won, but Perrin just kept him in the game. I know if I were starting a team, and I, and I know like players like you know Alison Becker, George, uh, Gigi Donnarumma, players like that, you wouldn't have a chance at getting. But I would try to go after Mattia Perrin because he's that good and that underrated. Yeah, you know, I think. I mean? Um, I've heard rumours that maybe a couple of Italian clubs are looking at him. I know a couple of clubs were looking at him a couple of years ago. I wasn't Milan very strongly linked with him for yeah, a while, yeah. but then he picked up that horrible first knee injury, and soon, and then he hasn't been looked at since. I know he's had a couple of uh, misdemeanors with drink driving, so hopefully he sorted that out, and uh, maybe a, a bigger, a bigish club can take a look at him either January or summer because he's got all the talent there and he's oh, starting to show it off he's still young enough so yeah so I mean good look at look at uh, Buffon you're, you're so good until you're in the 40s as a goalkeeper really so oh god yeah he'd be still good in his 50s yeah probably <laughs> uh, well enough of that 0-0 game let's go on to another 0-0 game it was uh, Inter against Lazio this game was obviously the highlight match of the weekend as number 3 Inter hosted number 5 Lazio this game had everything, including shots, 11 for Inter, 10 for Lazio. You had saves, 4 for Inter, 3 for Lazio. You had corners, 10 to 8. Uh, crosses, 29 to 19. Fouls, even if you like that, 13 to 9. You had 3 yellows, 2 for uh, Inter, 1 for Lazio. And you even had a VAR decision. Uh, in the 61st minute, Chiro Immobile tried to shoot on net, and I believe it was Davide Santon who blocked it. Um, I didn't initially see this when it happened in live play, Screen, but Screen, yeah. Screenyard, Screenyard, yeah, okay. Screenyard. Uh, so yeah, then uh, when you saw it in real time, did you think it was a penalty, a handball? Um, yes, but then thankfully we've got the art of replay, which is very good because we, I think referees only get one shot at it, but if you're watching it at home, you get the replay and you can see the it, it hit Screenyard on the leg and then hit him on the arm, so. It had to go to VAR. VAR is to um, it's like in cricket. I don't know. Americans will get cricket. It's like base. It's like baseball. It's to stop the howler, the bad decision. And in cricket, you've got like referrals for decisions, and it's starting to work like that. But especially in Syria this season, you've seen a lot of VAR, and it's like it's not needed, but. In this one, it was sort of needed because it was a bit of a howler decision by the referee. And as you see on the replay, it was like it hit his leg first and then hit him on the arm because it was quite hard to give it if it was like that. But if it hit him straight on the arm, you could see why it was given. Well, I know when you guys across the pond talk about cricket, we usually hear cricket on our, our end because we know what you're talking about. But I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. Um, no, I didn't think it was intentional either. I mean, it obviously came off his foot and, and it, his arm was in a position where it wasn't trying to do it intentionally. So yeah, I'm, cool. I'm cool with that call, you know. Especially with like these decisions and with VAA, you see if like that, that arms are stretched out with like, you've got players who smashing the ball at a defence from like two yards away and they're appealing for stuff. 
you can't give it like that. But no, if the no, guy no. is sticking out his arm and is literally punching the ball going out for a header, you you have to give it. It's got to be a line down the middle of like what is and what isn't. Exactly. They need to hash it out, you know, to get get the rules done because there's n- there's not there's not enough consistency in VAR using all the leagues um, that use them. So they need to find a way. To, I mean, maybe this first season will help get all the kinks out, and the next year will yeah. be a little bit more consistent. You know? Yeah, just give it time. I think give it a year. I think next season in in Serie A and probably in European football because I think they're bringing it to La Liga for the latter part of this season. Just just give it a year, and as you said, to work all the kinks out, and it it should be fine. Well, Luis Alberto has been keeping Felipe Anderson out of the lineup, but as of late, he's been getting into the into the pitch. Um, he actually had a stellar second half, and he came the closest to scoring uh, several times, in fact. But uh, the game would end in an entertaining zero-zero match. Um, are these who just say who just say the draw benefited more, if anybody? I mean, maybe I guess both teams could benefit because you don't uh, want to lose points at this stage. No, I think it it benefited Lazio, uh, not Lazio, Inter more. Lazio dominated the second half. I think as soon as the substitution of Felipe Anderson came on, it gave him a bit more dynamism up top because he brings a lot of like direct running to to the attack to help out. Like you got Milinkovic Savic, Luis Alberto, and you got a Mobile up top, and like Anderson adds a bit more running power and directness to them, uh, and. He could have won the game single-handedly for them. He missed so many chances in the second half. And the one play, Immobile had a beautiful pass to him. He, all he had to do was touch it in the direction of the goal and yeah, he missed it. I think he missed a couple of angle drives as well. Um, it, his substitution really helped Lazio going forwards. Um, it would be very intrigued to see what how he would fit into that system and that lineup. but they definitely deserved the three points. Like, um Lazio were pretty much the better side. Inter were very, very, very poor, and they're, they're in a bit of a, a funk and a bit of a slump at the moment. And uh, I don't know what, how Spalletti's going to get them out of it. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, you guys know from when he was at Roma, you know, when when they're going to dip a form, it's it's all about getting out. Uh, I think this this draw hurts. I mean, it's good they got a point. Inter got a point, but this this dip of form, they're they're when it look like it's going to be a top three race for the Serie A title. Is now looking like a two horse race because yeah. they've they've dropped out. They're what eight points behind or something crazy. Something like that. I, you could probably now rule them out. It's now pretty much a two horse race. Yeah, exactly. Unless one of those, unless both the top two teams. Oh yeah. Different form, but yeah. um, so which, I, which, which can't see happening. <laughs> no, no, and I think Napoli already had their dip and they're back to where they were because they got yeah. Insigne and, and Hamsik scoring again. Uh, so and Juventus is obviously now on full throttle. So I don't oh, see yeah. them slowing down. They're a bit of a machine at the moment. Speaking of Juventus, uh, they they wrapped up the match week nineteen. Uh, they would face off against Hellas Verona. Um, <laughs> so the final match of twenty seventeen, uh, Juventus decided to try to confuse us all by wearing yellow against a team that wears blue and yellow. Um, other than that, I mean, it's hard to keep track of that. But you know, it seems that uh, steak dinner for every goal was is in Gonzalo Iguain's contract because he's been <laughs> shooting a lot lately. Uh, his numerous opportunities in this game. Uh, one of those chances came off the post, but the rebound somehow found its way to Blas Matuidi for the first goal. Uh, that was Matuidi's second goal of the year and, and second in, in consecutive weeks, actually. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Matuidi found himself on, uh, on, on the laughing end when uh, confused, I guess, by the, by the kit selection. 
Uh, Matuidi ended up passing to Martin Casares, who used to play for Juventus, but not anymore. Uh, and Casares blazed home a goal past Wojciech Chesney uh, to tie the game at 1-1, celebrating like he uh, like he just uh, saved his mother from a fire or something. I don't know what was that. Um, did you check out the celebration? Usually when a team faces their old team, they don't celebrate that much, but he, he celebrated like he just won the Olympics or something. Uh, I think he probably won the World Cup. <laughs> Copper America. Uh, everything. He probably won the World Cup, Copper America, Serie A, uh, Copper Italia, Champions League, <laughs> Club World Cup, everything. I think that goal meant a lot to him. Um scoring against his old club. You can see with his celebration. It was like Cacciatore's celebration the other week after he scored yeah, yeah. against Bologna. <laughs> it's kind of, showing, kind of showing that I still got it and, you know, I could support, yeah. still play for you, you know? Yeah, I think it's probably got him a move to Lazio because I think that's rumoured to be happening. So I, I yeah, don't know if I remember, I remember when he went to uh, Milan and he didn't want to go there, so it never happened yeah. or whatever, and he ended up where he is now. But, I mean, hey, good for him. That's his third goal of the season. Um but then, you know, all of us, we were so pleasantly invited to the Dybala mask party. Ancora Dybala, in mezzo a due, Dybala, la porta sul destro! La doppietta di Paolo Dybala! L'esultanza del numero 10 ancora su, la Dybala mask! Paolo Dybala gets his brace, uh, 13th and 14th goals, um, and Juve would end up keeping pace with Napoli with that victory. Um, Iguain really should have scored in this game if not for bad luck and saves by Nicolas who was uh, he's, he's the one consistent player it seems like for Hellas Verona uh, shows in a week in week out beginning of the season he was making saves galore I think he was having like 10 save games um, but yeah Iguain he's been playing better as of late like I don't know like it, he might have a steak dinner in his contract or something for every goal he scores because he's been even though he's not as mobile as he used to be he's still getting he's still getting shots off and good opportunities do you think the goal at Napoli is probably part of that? Yeah, yeah. It boosted his confidence, you know. He, yeah. has, he has played a lot better since then, for sure. Yeah, and I've seen Juventus have like changed shape and they've added a bit more stability in their midfield and have gone for for wingers. And it looks like he's like the main man up top and he's not sharing a burden with Dybala, who's playing off him earlier in the season. He's like, giving him a new lease of life. And it's probably hindered, I wouldn't say hindered, because questions have been asked about Dybala in, in his private life. And that's probably given Higuain a bit more opportunity up top. I don't know what's in his contract, because he was just like shooting for <laughs> left, right and centre. I'm telling you. Yeah, I think he just wanted to get on the score sheet. He could have got on the short score sheet right on, but... Uh, at the end of the game, yeah. I think it was chalked off for was it offside or something from the free kick from the from the from the right hand side. Uh, yeah, I don't it, recall. It could have made it four one, but yeah, he looks a different striker. I think the the, the goal earlier against Napoli, and I think it, he got a couple against Bologna, is sort of giving him a lot of confidence. We might see a new Higuain in twenty eighteen, or you could see Allegri. Going back to a forty-three-one with Dybala and Higuain, sort of interchanging up top. It'd yeah. be quite interesting to see what happens. Because, uh, sorry to like cut you off there, Richard, but Juventus just like in the last six weeks have just been unbeatable. They've just gone back to solidness at the back, and Benatia and like Chiellini have been like brilliant, and Chesney 
it's got like a, a new lease of life. Um, he's probably one of been the best goalkeepers in Serie A in the last two, three years because at Roma last season he was magnificent. Along with Lucas Skorupski is now on the bench at Roma. Um, but they just look a complete different team from the early start of the season. No, and, uh, you know, why... why... If it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know. So they're Correct. playing so well right now. I mean, I think four two three one would probably serve them best with their defense. But I mean, they're winning right now, so why mess with it? Maybe yeah. in Champions League it changes it. Like I you know Carlo Ancelotti used to change the yeah. Serie A tactics to Champions League talk- tactics. Yeah. So flood, maybe he'll do that. Flood the midfield. Yeah, exactly. And Lord knows when they play the the, the, the super talented teams that you need to flood the midfield because oh. uh, we saw what happened in the finals last year. So Oh, yeah, and they've got Tottenham in the Champions League and Tottenham are very easy on the eye and they've got some very talented players. And um, some of their guys are on the bench and not too bad either. I was watching the uh, Tottenham game this afternoon. I'm like, man... That, Harry Kane looks really good. I'm like, oh no way, that's Fernando Llorente. It's, Never it's, mind. it's the very, <laughs> it's the very man crush like Fernando Llorente. He's yeah, his dreamy bad, blue eyes, right? <laughs> yeah, he's not a bad backup player because it's, it's also beware of the X because he he scored against um scored against Juventus when he was at Sevilla and I think when the draw was made, I was listening to a couple of football podcasts um, and they were saying that um, in Italy they were talking about beware of the ex. They don't like the ex-players coming back to haunt them. Casares today? I mean, this weekend did it? So. Yeah, and they could, it could be Fernando Llorente in the Champions League. Hey, it have, as a Milan fan, I know all, all too well about that. All their exes so, come and dominate them. So. Same with being a Roma fan, Mattia Destro on more than one occasion. <laughs> exactly. Well, so that wrapped up match week nineteen. Uh, anything stood out for you in that in that match week? Uh, Benevento winning. It was good to see them win. Um, Udinese keep going on stronger and stronger, and probably the the top two winning. It was Juventus and Napoli. It's down to them too. I can't see anyone else catching them. I'm afraid, and also AC Milan dropping more points. Sorry. No, no, that's, that's great. That's great. No, for me, my, my story of really December really is Marek Hamšík breaking the record and getting back to his old self. Um, yeah. It's important for Napoli if they want to continue in the Scudetto, uh, their Scudetto, Scudetto pursuit, I should say. Um, but yeah, for him getting back, I mean, all the stories you mentioned too were also there for me, but also Hamšík just, you know, getting the, getting the goal and then now he's back to his normal self and the team's playing back to the way they were playing before. So good on that. Um, Tell us your thoughts on Match Week 19 at Syria Sit Down on Twitter and on Instagram. All right, let's uh, let's get close to wrapping this up. We got some questions to answer, and then we'll quickly quickly preview uh, Match Week 20, uh, a couple matchups. All right, so the first question comes from at Bob Lex, and he asks, "Where will Torreira go, if Ooh. anywhere?" Oh, good question. I'll let that go to you first as a guest. Oh, um, if they make an offer, um, I know um, Atletico Madrid were interested. I know their transfer ban has been uplifted and there's been a couple of players linked to them. Uh, they will be getting Diego Costa um, and uh, Vitolo. That's the, the big Spanish midfielder. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if anyone in Italy will go for him. I know he has a very, very low release clause. I don't know if that's been changed. I know you would think it has to change. I mean, he's yeah. got to be close to three figure, a hundred million now. 
Yeah, um, uh, he's that good. Him and Milinkovic Savic, they're playing that well. I think I would put nothing minimum than like ninety-five million. No, yeah, that's a, that's a big, big, big. That's Pogba money. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think I could see any of the Italian clubs going for after him because I, I know Ferraro is going to be very, very wooden with all of them. I think it would be out of Italy, and if Atletico meet the release clause, I could probably see him going there. And prob- probably, I wouldn't surprise if a Premier League club goes after him. Maybe Manchester United. Maybe I could probably see him fit uh, Liverpool if Emery Chan um, doesn't accept their contract offer, and he could be going to Juventus. That's been rumored a lot recently. So those could be my two picks, either Atletico or Liverpool. Or maybe think, Manchester, Manchester United, sorry, three picks. Oh, <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> uh, I would love it. I'd love him at Swindon, but I don't think we could afford him. <laughs> Take out a loan. No. <laughs> oh, that would cost too much. I think, um, I, I hope he stays with Sampdoria, obviously. But... Yeah, obviously, of course. Hopefully maybe for a year, maybe to the end of the season. Realistically, I would love him to say at Sampdoria for a long time, but in modern football, you don't see that. You see players only playing for two, three years at one club. I honestly and, think his best fit would be over at uh, Barcelona. Ah, really? Okay. Because the way he plays uh, and he he fits their mold, it seems like uh, I think he'd be good for them. Would that be a replacement for Busquets, or would that be just add into the midfield? Of like Rakitic, add into the joy that they have. Yeah, and the new style of football that they're playing this season because that midfield is very interesting. All right, so next question comes from Michael Lisi, a friend of the show. He asked uh, several questions actually. Who gets relegated? Uh, will Milan finish above tenth place? Who's the top four and? I'll leave the last two questions for Frank to answer when he returns. So answer Ooh. those. Uh, but uh, first, uh, who gets relegated? Uh, I think the three newcomers are going to be the one to, to go this this time. Uh, uh, so it's Benevento, Spal, and Hellas. Hellas. I think Benevento will be bottom <laughs> without yes, doubt. That's safe to say. <laughs> um, Spal are uh, what seventeenth. Yeah, they're in the. I mean, they're in the mix. They're they're on the bubble. I think they're yeah. just out. But I mean, they're there. I could see one of like Genoa or someone else getting dragged in, but I would tend to agree with the three that went went up last season. Could be going back down. Benevento definitely finishing bottom. When you've got four points at Christmas, you, it's not good. It's not looking good. <laughs> um, who was was the the top four? Yeah, top four. Um, I'm gonna go with you know obviously Napoli, you, Napoli and Juve, but I'm gonna go Inter and Roma. I would probably say the same thing. Um, I think Lazio will be. It will be very very close. I think it will could come down late in the season for the race for fourth, but it depends. When is the Derby della Capitale? Uh, the next I, I one. I think it's March or April. I think it's either of those two. Yeah, Imagine I if could... it was the last game and that, that game decided the fourth place. Yeah, I remember a couple of seasons ago, it was the second to last game of the yeah, season. Yeah. And um, it was to finish who was finished second. Roma won it late on and then Lazio won at Napoli to finish third. Um, it's going to be It's going to be close, but 
I think it's the top four as it is, with Lazio pushing very, very hard with that talented like forward line that they've got. Inzaghi's got them playing some very, very good football. And plus they've got Europa League to look at yeah. and, and the Coppa Italia as well. So they're on three thumbs. Well, do I think Milan will finish above 10th place? I do not. I think <laughs> the teams that are above them, I mean, I, I wish they would, but uh, the teams ahead of them are, are too good. They're too far ahead of them right now. Um, Lazio, Sampdoria, Fiorentina. Um, you got also Atalanta to worry about. Udinese is now in the, in the mix. Um, Bologna, you're not sure what they're going to do. So I, I don't see it for them, uh, unfortunately. What about you? No, it's, it's, it's been very hit and miss with Milan. I think with all the fanfare that's happened in the summer and then all the cluster muck that's happened ever since, um, especially with the, now the, the voluntary financial fair play that could be happening soon because Milan spent over their, their merit. Um, it's it's going to be tough because it hasn't been good on, on the pitch and it's not been looking good off the pitch especially the type of players that they brought in and I, I wouldn't spend 25 million on Lucas Biglia um, I don't know if you would agree with me now Richard but I, I did originally but now I'm looking like it's way too no, much if you've got you've got too many Big-ish players who are very inconsistent, i.e. Kalinic and Kessie. And I'm, I'm sort of tend to agree with you again. Sorry, <laughs> not to sound, <laughs> not to sound, picking splinters out of my backside. But yeah, I can't see him finishing in the top ten. I'm afraid. All right, uh, our next question comes from a Scott Monroe. I don't know if you've heard of him. Oh, I don't know uh, who who is that. Who is that person? <laughs> so I'll answer the question. Your your question to us was, uh, what are our best three moments from Syria? Um, so my three are, I'm going to say Benevento, and it's, 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 oh, yeah. it's a two-part part. It's when Brignoli scored against Milan, that the goalkeeper scoring a goal. That's, that's just fantastic to see oh, that yeah. and the whole reaction there. And also them this past weekend, them winning their first game, finally getting their three points. Uh, so those two combined are, I consider as one as Benevento. Um, my next one was, would be uh, Sampdoria beating Juventus. Three oh, yeah. to two, showing that they are the true, they are giant killers, in fact, but they have gone on a slump since then. But up to that point, um, it was just fantastic to see. Everyone's curious to see how would a team inform how they go against Juventus and they beat them. Uh, really it was two late goals. They, they dominated that game. Sampdoria did. Um, so I like that. That was one of my favorite moments. And then lastly, uh, a game that I had called that was going to win it was Lazio beating Juventus at home at, at oh, yeah. J Stadium. Uh, Immobile with his brace. Uh, that was that was a great moment to see. I thought I, I thought they were due for a loss. Uh, Juventus are dominant at home, but um, if someone had to be do it, the form that Lazio were in, I thought it was a perfect moment for them, and they and they they squeaked it out two one. So those are my three moments. I on that last moment, I literally because I was at Roma Napoli on the same night, and I literally got into the stadium. I was waiting for my friend who um, I ran quickly into, into the ground to go to the toilet. And then I looked at my phone and then I saw it was 2-1 Lazio. And I think some Roma fans were looking at their phone and I could hear them going, ah, in, in Italian, I'm not going to do, 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 do the accent. <laughs> um, but I could hear them going, ah, it's 2-1 Lazio. And especially with the last minute missed penalty on VAR, it made it even more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think that could be potentially one of the games this season so far. Yeah, was it Dybala who missed that? Yeah, it was saved by Strakosha. Strakosha, yeah. Yeah. That was perfect. That was just a perfect ending to that game, I thought. Oh, yeah, especially with the all the Lazio players 
um, protesting about the penalty. And you always given. get those calls in the games. They've done it against yeah, the Lions. Yeah, uh, they've done it against other teams, but I think their fans will say, oh, other teams get those calls as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. It, it's, it's the chicken and the egg story. Um, but yeah, um, it just it was good to see someone breaking Juventus is duck and just winning at the J Stadium. I, as a Roma fan, I haven't seen Roma win at the J Stadium. I've seen Roma hardly <laughs> score against Juventus in Turin. And uh, as I said, that potentially game is game of the season. Well, our last Twitter question comes from at Walt Forest Arts, which is also known as Bag Full of Toffees. Um, they asked, here's a question you were, you were talking about earlier. Um, how has Massimo Odo turned Udinese around so fast? Um, I think he's got his, the, the star players in that team, like clicking. Um, you got Kevin Lasagna, who started scoring goals. You got Rodrigo De Paul, who's like the link up guy. Um, to the team and especially the two Czech guys in midfield who were just so talented like Yankto and um, Barak and especially the two guys out wide and Sirwan Vidma who is a very 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 good right back and Ali Adnan the left sided uh, full back is the first Iraqi to be playing in Serie A is a very comp- compatible left back I think he's, he's got his ideas of playing football and they're adapted to it very well and they're scoring a lot of goals and I'm scoring eight in the Coppa Italia <laughs> while conceding three um, he's just getting the best out of his squad that Downeri didn't Downeri's a bit of an older coach he's probably stuck by his ways and Massimardo's but more pragmatic and probably adapts to his style of football that he wants to play, you can see it in his Pescara side last season, and they were just and they, and they were getting walloped left, right, and centre. And then this season, you can see that his ideas are working. And when you go to the San Siro and you break in his winning run, is is very good, and especially with the, the type of players that they've got. I'm really looking forward to watching Udinese for the latter part of this season, and I'm really intrigued what they could be doing because they, the like the good old days could be coming back to be when they were qualifying for the Champions League year after year and and then they were selling off their best players like look at Alexis Sanchez now he could be on his way to the Premier League winners if if he decides to go Asamoah is doing really well at Juventus Medi Benash is back in Italy performing really really well and you just look at Guidoline laid the foundations. They had a, a couple of years where they would be struggling and could be like contenders for relegation. And then Di Natale would just literally just, yeah, put it out and just score goals left, right, and centre. He's he gone. May, he may be one of the oldest guys to score 20 goals in Serie A, too. You reckon? Do you reckon it was him and Luca Toni? Yeah. Now, now that you mentioned him, I'm like, wait a minute. Di Natale like, scored 20 goals like every season, it seemed like. Oh, yeah. People who listen to this podcast and when this drops, can we can let us both know yes, who's please. the oldest person in Serie A to score twenty league goals? That'd be perfect. I'll make but, sure I tweet out that question after the yeah, podcast. definitely. But yeah, I'm very very intrigued to see what Otto brings to the second half of the season because in the last five or six weeks, it's been, eyes have been turning like on the style of play that been that they've been playing, and also. Who's going to come in for their players in January or in the summer? Yeah, yeah, no, and, and like you said, you know, we saw when he was at Pescara, um, 
there was glimpses there. He's kind of like Sade in a way that he plays unco- he, co- he manages unconventionally to what you would think Italians would manage. Oh um, yeah, they're, they're attacking. Um, so the fact that with Pascada he tried to play the attacking game, and now with Udinese he gets to implement it because they have a competent defense. Um, it shows that he's trying to he's trying to make entertaining uh, football, and he's succeeding right now. And it's 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 great to see. I think. So I, I hope they with- I hope they do really well. Yeah, with Udinese, as you said, I think there's a bit more solidity at the back. With Pescara, it's probably a bit more of a gung-ho approach. <laughs> exactly. Like like Kamikaze. Yeah, like Zeman did at the end of the season where he just plays 4-3-3. Yeah. Free, free, literally Zeman. high line, balls over the top and you're done. <laughs> oh, I love Zeman. Old ZZ. You could, uh, the be, last, you, could be the, you could be the only one at the moment. Yeah, yeah. No, I wrote, I wrote an article on him for World Football Index. Oh, yeah, I remember. I, I even liked him even, I liked him even more uh, when I read that. This, this, this kind of character he was. I mean, everybody else hated him, but I loved him. <laughs> you you like him when he's not coaching your team. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You had him for a little bit, so you know all about him. Yeah, that season did not end very well. <laughs> but you guys would end up winning the Scudetto, so it worked out with uh, afterwards. yeah. yeah. Um, so the second part of the question from Bagfellow Toffees is, uh, why are Torino so inconsistent? Oh, good question. I think I'm trying to trying to find out how. I think it's it's it all comes down to management with Tisa yeah. Mihalovic. Yeah, and their I, defense, would, I would their agree with that. that. I mean, last year you could blame it on Joe Hart, but he's not there. Uh, Sirigu is an upgrade, but even with Encolo back there. They're not playing uh, uh, consistently in the defense, and that's where it really comes. And now the, the offense with Belotti not scoring, they're not um, the, the confidence is gone, so they're not scoring like they can. Because at the beginning part of the season, Iago Falque was leading the line really, and Adam Lajic, you haven't seen his name about in a while because he's been kind of quiet, it seems like. So I think it all comes down to management. I mean, it's just Mihalovic teams are very consistent. It was how it was in Milan, and I mean, I think Sampdoria as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's where it comes down to ultimately. I would tend, I would, I tend to agree because I remember tweeting out uh, probably October time during my time off um, that there was rumours going around that he get could get sacked, and um, our favourite manager who was at Watford last season, Walter Mazzari, could come in. I think that could be like the worst decision, but <laughs> it, I think it's the style of football they try to play. Um, they're very attack-minded. Yeah. Kudos to them for that. Yeah, like, we have score five. Sorry, you'll score five, we have to score six. That type of mentality. (laughs) Um, Which is not very good if you you support the team, but it's very good if you're the neutral. It's Zeman-esque. It's Zeman-esque. Yeah, it's Zeman-esque, but they're very inconsistent. Like, they could go 2-0 up after 10 minutes at Spal and then draw 2-2, and they could have... 17, 18 shots on goal at Genoa and only draw nil nil. But then they could go to AC Milan, sorry to use that, and like win one nil or something. With five or, shots. With like five shots, or they could play Napoli and win one nil with one shot on goal on Napoli. That's like 35 shots. Oh, they beat, they beat Lazio 3 3 1. Yeah, a ago, beat, so. yeah, a couple of weeks ago. I did not see that coming, but Lazio did have Chiro Mobley sent off for. As, as I like to call it, a Glasgow kiss on Nicholas Bodiso. <laughs> yeah, they're just they're very inconsistent. When if they sort that out, they could be a team fighting for Europe. But they need to sort that out first. Well, before I was going to get into the match week twenty, but uh, I think we're just going to go quick predictions. Okay, okay. Uh, Fior- Fiorentina Inter. What do you see the score on that game? Oh, I think 
Oh, that's a very good question. I think at Fiorentina. Yeah, it's a, it's the Friday night game, so it's the second game on Friday. I think Fiorentina could nick it two one with a late goal. Oh, oh that's uh, that's good. Yeah, they've been playing really well as of late. Um, they're getting good results too. I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go one nothing Fiorentina. Uh-huh. Another late goal will just another late goal. Yeah. I think it's going to be uh, Cholito going to get a, get one against his pop's old team. <laughs> yeah, I think I think if he's playing Federico Chiesa, could be yeah. a star man. But it wouldn't surprise me if Inter not get something. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Also, Inter get five nothing win or something, you know? Too. Yeah, yeah. both our predictions were both to me make look a little bit silly on Friday evening. <laughs> Uh, the second game is a game near and dear to your heart. It's uh, Roma hosting Atalanta. Um, since, you're, since you're a Roma fan, I'm going to go first with this and tell you what I think. Um, Atalanta have been playing really well as of late. They, uh, they, they won their Coppa Italia match against Napoli today. and it, They're forced to be reckoned with, but they're going to be on the road for this one. They're not going to be in Bergamo. I think, um, I think Roma can nick it. Two to one. Oh, you're very confident. Six nil Roman. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I would I would just be happy with a win. I would be just very happy with a win for Roma, but I think it could be a close game. I think it could be one nil with a late goal. Okay. Okay. So we uh we both pick one of us picked two one for a game, the other one picked one nothing for the same yeah. game. So okay. We'll see how our predictions go. And again, if you uh, tell us who the oldest thir- oldest uh, player to score 20 goals in a season in Serie A is, make sure you let both Scott and I know because uh, yeah. we're really curious. Yeah, it's either Luca Tony or Toto Di Natale. It could be neither. We just want to know. <laughs> yeah, we want to know. It'd probably be like, uh, no, it's not Pelissier. That's my wish, but no. <laughs> no, I don't think he scored 20 goals in the last three, four Decades. years. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's someone, unless it's someone in the early nineties, uh, it won't be early nineties. No, because it was more like no, Batistuta. More yeah. yeah, it's more Batistuta Ronaldo scoring. Yeah, it just please let us know because we're doing. <laughs> Pull our hair out. It, All right. Yeah, I think ahead. I think it could be Tony, but I'm Luca Tony, but I'm not too sure. Oh, since you're saying that, I'm gonna go Di Natale. Just, just okay. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> Well, that will put a bow on this edition of Syria Sit Down. We want to thank Lega Syria Tim for the highlights. Be sure to listen to us on World Football Index and All In Sports Talk. Uh, next week, we're going to have a reaction to all the games, cover all the, new, no, the noteworthy tidbits that spring up at the peninsula, and send us off on the short winter break. Scott, where can our followers listen, find you on Twitter? Well, they could listen to me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they could listen to me on this podcast when, wherever I'm on. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Munro. That's Scott with one T and Munro is M-U-N-R-O-E. Um, I mainly talk about football, maybe slip in a bit of cricket and a bit of wrestling in by there. Um, if you like your wrestling, I will be posting pictures because I'm off to WrestleMania this year in New Orleans. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. The only downside of that is my flights have been changed by American Airlines. I've now got like an eight-hour layover in Chicago instead of a two. So, yeah, if you like your wrestling, I do sometimes tweet about it. But if you like your Serie A or your like European football, I tweet a lot about football. And sometimes and sometimes some Simpsons gifts to go along with the, uh, <laughs> the football. That's right. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Uh, no, uh, just sometimes um, if I've got back into writing, sorry, yes, I have. <laughs> uh, I've got back into doing some writing uh, of my own accord. So, 
like week by week, I'll be reviewing the Serie A action. Uh, you can find it on, I'll post the links. Um, I might be like writing again for a couple of other websites, which I'll try and get in contact with if they have me back. That hopefully be about Roma and how their season's going on and some of the players, the star players in their squad. And I'll also tweet the links out. And when you do, we'll retweet them ourselves because uh, we're, we're looking forward to that. Thank you very uh, much. Well, you can find me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, on behalf of the panel, thank you for listening, and be sure to tell your paisans about us. Ciao.